Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with your host, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. Parthenia is a psychologist and certified natural healthcare practitioner who will show you alternative paths towards health with a holistic approach. Call in with your questions or comments at 888-235-7374. And now here's the host of Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. Good evening to those of you listening to our live broadcast tonight, November 23, 2010. And hello to those of you listening to an Internet archive within a few moments of the show close or a rebroadcast some other time. Yes, it's Tuesday evening again, 7 p.m., and we're here on Eve Radio. Oh, and don't forget, there is a link on my website. You are listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izzard at Achieve Radio on the Internet. Now, to call into the program, call 888-235-7374. That is 888-235-7374. Or you can send an instant message during the show. They call them in messages, and you do that through the link on the Achieve Radio homepage. Please, any problems with the Internet links, give me a call after the show at 866-472-6094. Again, that is 866-472-6094. Now, on this program, we discuss alternative medicine therapies, related products, and issues, and we do it with the experts. Only try the therapy share, however, after consulting with your physician, and we do it all in an hour. Now, last week, my guest was uh, Linda Clever, MD, author of The Fatigue Prescription, Four Steps to Renewing Your Health, Life, uh, Energy, Health, and Life. And at the end of that program, we discussed the herb squaw vine. Now, if you missed that show, you can go to my website is www.amtherapies.com. Click on the radio link to hear the show. For appointments with me and for general information, again, call 866-472-6094. That's 866-472-6094. Now remember, intuitive Monique Chapman visits every second Tuesday of the month, yes, and she has her own show that follows this show. Uh, she'll be on with us, visiting along with us again December 14, 2010, with Monique's Moments. Call and she'll share her intuition about you, the economy, and other concerns. Remember, you can purchase the book I co-authored, 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Health, on my site. Visit www.amtherapies.com to make that wonderful resource a gift to yourself and or a friend. And you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm Alternative Medi. Uh, tonight, uh, when we get back from break, I'm going to be speaking with Tony Yancey, MD, MPH, author of Instant Recess, Building a Fit Nation 10 Minutes at a Time. Again, that's Instant Recess, Building a Fit Nation 10 Minutes at a Time. At the end of tonight's program, we'll discuss the herb Suma and the Asana Pasasana. Now it's time for our wellness news. Okay, yes, high alpha-carotene levels associated with longer life. Uh, This comes from Science Daily, November 22, 2010. 
High blood levels of antioxidant alpha-carotene appear to be associated with a risk, uh, reduced risk of dying over a 14-year period, according to a report posted online November 22 that will be published in the March 28th print issue of the Archives of Internal Medicine. Oxygen-related damage to DNA, proteins, and fats may play a role in the development of chronic diseases like heart disease and cancer, according to background information in the article. Carotenoids, including beta-carotene, alpha-carotene, and lycopene, are produced by plant microorganisms and act as antioxidants counteracting this damage. Carotenoids and the human body are obtained mainly through eating fruits and vegetables rich in the nutrients uh, in the nutrients or through antioxidant supplements. Although studies suggest eating more fruits and vegetables is associated with a low risk of chronic diseases, randomized controlled trials have not shown any benefit for beta-carotene supplements, the authors note. Quote, therefore, carotenoids other than beta-carotene may contribute to the reduction in disease risk and their effects on risk of disease merit investigation, end quote, the authors write. Uh, Chai Yang Li, MD, PhD of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Atlanta, and colleagues assessed the relationship between alpha-carotene and the risk of death among 15,318 adults aged 20 and older who participated in the third National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, survey follow-up study. Now, participants underwent a medical examination and provided blood samples between 1988 and 1994 and were followed through 2006 to determine whether and how they died. Over the course of the study, 3,810 participants died. The risk for dying was lower with higher levels of alpha-carotene in the blood compared with individuals with blood, blood alpha-carotene levels between 0 and 1 um, micrograms per the risk of death during the study period was 23% lower among uh, those who had concentrations between 2 and 3 micrograms per deciliter. 27% lower with levels between 4 and 5 micrograms per deciliter. 34% lower and 39% lower with levels of 9 micrograms per deciliter or higher. Higher alpha-carotene concentration also appeared to be associated with lower risk of dying from cardiovascular disease, cancer individually, and of all other causes. Quote, the association between serum alpha-carotene uh, concentrations and risk of death from all significant in most subgroups um, stratified by demographic characteristics, lifestyle habits, and health risk factors. End quote, the authors wrote. Alpha-carotenoid, alpha alpha-carotene is chemically similar to beta-carotene, but may be more effective at inhibiting the growth of cancer cells in the brain, liver, and skin, they note. Quote, moreover, results from a population-based case study of the association between the consumption of fruits and vegetables and risk of lung cancer suggest the consumption of yellow, orange, carrots, sweet potatoes, or pumpkin and water squash, and dark green, broccoli, green beans, green peas, spinach, turnip greens, collards, and 
leaf-like vegetable, which have a high alpha-carotene content, was more strongly associated with a decreased risk of lung cancer than was consumption of all other types of vegetables, end quote, the authors write. The results support increasing fruit and vegetable consumption as a way of preventing premature death and suggest a need for a clinical research into the health benefits of alpha-carotene, they conclude. Okay, that was a long one, but I thought it was well worth the time. Okay. You are listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izard. This portion of the program is sponsored by Alternative Medicine Therapies in Pennsylvania. Visit my website, www.amtherapies.com, and call our number for remote appointments. That's remote or Seven two six zero nine four. That is eight six two six zero nine four. You are hearing us live from the internet, and we'll be back with Tony Yancey, MD, author of Instant Recess: Building a Fit Nation, Ten Minutes at a Time. should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures. Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies for an initial consultation. Alternative Medicine Therapies offers a holistic approach to preventive care, unlike conventional medicine that tries to correct the illness that exists instead of preventing it altogether. Don't let anyone tell you that your situation is hopeless. Alternative Medicine Therapies like iridology, kinesiology, reflexology, energy medicine, which includes chi light therapy, acupressure, and psychological consultations has an amazing track record of positive results. Why suffer when Alternative Medicine Therapies with Parthenia Izzard is here to help? Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies today for an initial consultation and visit their website at www.amtherapies.com. Or call 610-658-0135. Alternative Medicine Therapies. Okay, you are listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izard. Now, remember on my site, www.amtherapies.com, you can preview and purchase the book I co-authored, 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Health. My chapter is Naturopathy. Um, we're going to be talking with uh, Dr. Yancey and just a moment, but before we get there, I want to remind you that, you know, we know that nothing's more important than your health, but between the overburdened medical establishment, blaring crisis-driven health headlines, and our own hectic lives, fine. 
information, we bring together 101 of the top minds in radically different branches of the healing professions to give you 101 simple, workable ways to attack disease, overcome unhealthy habits, and live your life to its healthiest potential. Follow the link on my homepage. It is a blue book link uh, to get more information about how you can preview and purchase the book I co-authored, 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Health. Okay, tonight my guest, as I've already told you, is a doctor. Tony Yancey, MD, MPH. Um, she's currently a professor at the Department of Health Service, UCLA School of Public Health, and is co-director of the UCLA Kaiser Permanente Center for Health Equity. Appointed uh, First Lady of Michelle Obama's Let's Move campaign. Okay. Uh, good evening, Dr. Yancey. Good evening. How are you? Fine, thank you. So wonderful to have you this evening. My goodness, you're doing so much. Uh, I don't know where to be- begin. Somewhere, and we only have an hour. But, but um, what a little information about where you grew up, where you're from, and um, all all of that. And then we can go into the book. Okay. Well, I'm from Kansas City, Kansas originally. Uh-huh. I went to Northwestern okay. undergrad and went to Duke Medical School, and then I landed in California about 20 years ago and have been there most of the time since, with the exception of a brief stint as the Director of Public Health for the city of Richmond, Virginia. Wow, Kansas City. Okay. Now, what inspired your interest in medicine and, and health in general? Well, um, I think I was a little science nerd as a kid, so I kind of (laughs) gravitated toward medicine since, you know, that was the only career choice that I really saw. You know, we didn't really see a lot of lab scientists back in those days. Um, And, you know, I liked the idea of the autonomy and, you know, kind of had the intellectual curiosity um, to want to pursue the research part of it as well, although it took me a little time to actually, you know, get into the academia piece of it. Well, now, how did you determine that it was possible to make a difference with recesses as opposed to a 30-minute to an hour workout? Or is that what, well, okay, that also goes to my next thing. Is it really that you're saying it's a substitute or something that should go concomitantly with workouts or, you know, something to sort of get people started in the right direction toward uh, exercising? Well, probably a little bit of of two things. I'm both saying that it's something to get people started on the right track, and I'm also saying that 10 minutes in itself is beneficial. So let me me explain those two things. Um, First of all, most people are not getting enough physical activity. I mean, it's something like 5% of Americans that get the uh, recommended uh, 30 minutes a day, five or more days a week of moderate intensity physical activity. That's the equivalent of a brisk walk. Um, and, and you know, obviously we have a major problem with, with overweight and obesity, diabetes, and other chronic problems. So um, on that end of things, because people are getting so, so little activity, I mean, the average adult gets six to ten minutes a day, then it's not going to take a lot to, you know, make a little bit of a dent in, um, in delivering the benefits of physical activity. 
um, because the levels are so low. So I, I believe that with the low levels that we're experiencing, 10 minutes could actually double some people's activity levels. But I also think, and, and our research and the research of others bears out, that there's a spillover effect so that people that um, start on the path of getting these brief activity bouts that are um, integrated into their work day or into, you know, the school day, actually it spills over into their leisure time. Okay. Is okay. That's your phone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm okay. going to turn it down here. <laughs> That's okay. This is live I couldn't radio. even find it for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, I, now, okay. Before, okay. Why don't we um, say a little bit about how you met, how you became associated with, or how you uh, uh, started working with um, Michelle Obama. First Lady Michelle Obama. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's it's really a tremendous um, honor to work with her, an opportunity to um, be able to work on ending childhood obesity within one generation. And um, I think my work came to her attention and that of the foundations that are working um, with her on the initiative and that provided the money for the for starting the Partnership for a Healthier America on whose board I serve, um, I think I came to their attention because I've been working in promoting physical activity with a real focus on African-American and Latino communities for, you know, really the last 20 years and especially the last 10 years working on this concept of instant recess or brief bouts of activity that are fun. Um, the moves are, are real simplified um, movements based on either sports like baseball or basketball or uh, ethnic dance like African dance, cumbia, uh, salsa. And um, the, the moves are really intended to get the people that are sedentary, that are carrying a few extra pounds, really haven't moved in a while, and make it simple and easy for them, but also make it um, challenging and useful for people who are more fit and, you know, more accustomed to getting activity. So um, they, uh, the, the uh, Let's Move, um, the folks involved with Let's Move, um, were looking to engage the organized sports community, and I think the work that I've done with the San Diego Padres and Dave Winfield, um, with Alan Rossum, who's a former NFL player, and Jerry Stackhouse with the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks, and then um, also more recently with the uh, WNBA with the Los Angeles Sparks, um, I think that kind of came to their attention because it's not just having player endorsements, it's actually working to change the organizational infrastructure in the stadiums and in the way that these um, that the foundations of a lot of professional um, teams work with communities to really drive some change and to really you know kind of get the culture to change in our communities. Well, I think it's a wonderful effort and certainly probably long overdue. Is there something being done to also uh, inspire or encourage city governments to reinstate the, uh, what do you call it, full-time, every grade phys ed programs that used to be in place, which I think helped to get young people in the habit of exercise so that they might consider it as an adult? Yeah, I, I think that there's definitely a, a strong recognition that we need to have daily K-12 through 12 physical education 
of high quality. Yes. And, and I include that high quality caveat <laughs> because it's not just about having more minutes, you know, which is what a lot of state legislatures are, you know, passing. It's, it's really that we have to get the quality minutes. So getting more moderate to vigorous physical activity incorporated into how PE is taught and teaching PE in a way that's standards-based, that really gives kids the movement skills and the, the information base for a lifetime of physical activity engagement, as you said, you know, really uh, getting them into the habit of regular physical activity. So a lot of people are engaged in that effort. I'm sure a lot of, uh, I'm sure there'll be um, effort on the part of the Let's Move campaign in that regard. And there's also the Let's Move Cities and Towns, which um, is, is actually working now with a project that I've been working on here in California called the Heal Cities or Healthy Eating Active Living Cities Campaign um, with the California League of Cities and the California Center for Public Health Advocacy. And, I mean, we're getting cities to adopt things like instant recess breaks and healthier vending policies and, and that sort of thing that really change the way government does business to model better what it is we're trying to get the citizens to, um, to take up. You know, I, and I'm sorry I'm hitting you with all these different questions before we really get into your book, but I feel like you're an expert here, so I'm tapping your wisdom. Um, do you think there might be a relationship between the kinds of jobs that many obese minorities have and the sedentary reality, that being the job is such that once they get home, that whole desire to do anything else is like shot and all they want to do is sort of just relax, <laughs> you know, get away from it all and just relax. Is there some kind of research that, that looks into that relationship at all? Yeah, well, actually, there was a very interesting study by um, a professor right there at University of Pennsylvania who's a mentor of mine, Dr. Shariki Kumanyika, and she did some focus groups with older uh, African-American adults and um, really looked at, well, what is their perception of work and exercise and rest and all that and found out exactly what you, what you just identified, that, you know, a lot of people feel like they come home from a hard day of work and all they want is rest. But the, 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 the challenge is that work has changed tremendously over the last 20, 30 years, and work is no longer very physically demanding. I mean, even physically yeah. demanding jobs like, say, you know, people working on the docks as longshoremen or something, you know, they're using their fingers to push the button to, you know, move the crane rather than actually picking up boxes and lifting and moving things around. So um, a lot uh, a lot of jobs that were more demanding physically and that are not so demanding now mean that people are going from sitting around all day to resting and sitting at home. And, and that's really what this whole idea of getting more brief bouts of activity into our daily life is about. I mean, people need the exercise, and most people know that they need it, but how to get it in is the problem. So making it simple and giving people that taste, I call it experiential learning, you know, that taste of mm. what being active can be so that they get the mood improvement, they feel better, their stress is relieved a little bit, you know, their body feels better, they're thinking more clearly. I mean, everybody needs, you know, that kind of, you know, stress release and that kind of, you know, opportunity to just, you know, have a little bit of pleasure introduced into the day. 
Okay, one more curious, uh, one more question. In terms of obesity, um, given the size of different minority groups, is there more obesity in minority populations, or is it pretty much the same across the board? Uh, again, because I, you know, when you go by what you see, I. Hello. That are obese than I see Europeans, but I, I, you know, I keep hearing information that seems to be contrary to that, and I, I was just curious. Uh, can you hear me? Hello. Hello, you can't hear me. Oh, hello. You, you just have been going in and out. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Uh, okay. Yeah, there's some technical. Issue the grant, but hang in there. I can hear you. <laughs> I can hear you. Okay. Did you, you okay. want me to repeat the question? No, no, no. I think I got it. Okay. It's, it's about the comparing the obesity rates between um, right. ethnic minority populations and and whites. And there is a, a, a significant difference. I mean, for instance, as African-American women, um, over 80% of us are either overweight or obese, and that appears to probably about 40 to 50% of, of um, uh, women across the board. So, I mean, the, the, the rates of obesity among African-American women are – overweight or obesity among African-American women are much higher than the rates among white women. And – um, kind of comparable to the rates among um, women of Hispanic descent or Latinas. Um, those, those problems in many ways track the socioeconomic status. So um, mm -hmm. poorer women have higher obesity rates than do wealthier women, regardless of ethnic group. Right. However, okay. in African Americans, the, the place where you start to see the real drop is among very wealthy people. I mean, you know, upper upper middle class um, or, or, or wealthier, and um, there's not that much of a difference between middle class African Americans and, and lower income African Americans. And, you know, there are a lot of things that people are postulating about this. I mean, in some ways there's the, um, uh, the fact that even when we're in middle class communities, a lot of times we're living in relatively racially segregated communities that don't have as many services like grocery stores or gyms or so forth. Um, the, other, the other piece is um, different cultural norms as it relates to body image. Mm -hmm. So um, in African-American culture, we're more tolerant of larger, rounder bodies um, than, you know, especially white male preference for white females. Um, but, but then another piece of, of, of the whole, whole equation is how are the messages getting out and what messages are getting out. And many of the ways that physical activity is promoted based on, you know, getting people to lose weight may not really resonate for us in our communities. So I guess the main, uh, the measure has to be health. How yes. is your health given your weight? If you are not healthy, then there's something that has to be done, regardless of how uh, how appreciated the roundness might be. Right, and and I think <laughs> that's the other thing here is that, you know, we talk about baby got back, you know, nobody want a bone but a dog, all those kinds of expressions. <laughs> 
know, that's usually about, you know, a certain type of roundness. And, I mean, we're, we, you know, we as a people, we're round everywhere now. It's not just, you know, a little extra on the hips and thighs. And we really have to grapple with that because weight that we carry in the middle of our bodies, you know, around our waist really does contribute more to chronic disease risk like diabetes risk or heart disease risk. So we need to get a handle on this, but I think rather than overly focusing on numbers on the scale, it's really about focusing on numbers on the pedometer. You know, how much walking are we getting in? Um, are we getting our organizations like our churches and our workplaces, our fraternities and sororities to really make the kind of changes that they need to make? So, for instance, in the book I focus on the L.A. chapter of Delta Sigma Theta where they turn up the air conditioning in the room, in the meeting room, uh. about 15 minutes before they do their exercise so it doesn't mess up their hair. <laughs> well, that's that. It's certainly thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. yeah. That's and, I mean, good. we need more of a focus on, well, what are the solutions? I mean, we, we, we hear about the problems over and over again, and we really need to get more into, okay, well, what are some of the strategies that people have used to get around these things? Like Fame Church First AME in Los Angeles is the local lead agency for Let's Move Los, for the Let's Move campaign, so it's Let's Move Los Angeles. And they, um, when we were launching the Let's Move Fifth District, which includes a lot of the western states, um, they actually incorporated brief bouts of activity into their actual Sunday services, all three of okay. them, and got a great response from people. That is fantastic. I, I'm, I'm impressed. I think when people hear how easy it is and what some of the suggestions are that you can do without any equipment or with any extra effort, then they see, yes, there are a lot of things that they can do to, to get started. I mean, even as simple as parking far away from the entrance to the supermarket, you know, so you get a little bit of a walk there, you know, little things. But Yeah, um, and I'm actually for rather than giving it, making that option available. I mean, we ought to just make the nearby spaces just for the people with disabilities. Oh. <laughs> you know, they'll have more parking, and then the rest of us are going to have to walk a little more, and that's okay. Well, now hold that thought. We're going to go to break. <laughs> when you uh, you are listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. And remember, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Alternative Medi. Uh, when you go to my website in the future, www.amtherapies.com, you will find uh, free information about the herb asana and meditative practice uh, for the day, I mean for the week, and they will correspond to the herb asana and practice on the program. Uh, we'll be back with Dr. Yancey. Um, instant recess. AchieveRadio.com Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures. Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies for an initial consultation. Alternative Medicine Therapies offers a holistic approach to preventive care, unlike conventional medicine that tries to correct the illness that exists instead of preventing it altogether. Don't let anyone tell you that your situation is hopeless. Alternative Medicine Therapies like iridology, kinesiology, reflexology, energy medicine, which includes chi light therapy, acupressure, and psychological consultations has an amazing track record of positive results. Why suffer when Alternative Medicine Therapies with Parthenia Izzard is here to help? Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies today for an initial consultation and visit their website at www.amtherapies.com. Or call 610-658-0135. 
alternative medicine therapies. You are listening to Well. Wellness, wellness, and wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izard. Now, my guest, December 7, 2010, will be David Feder, author of The Skinny Carbs Diet. And at the end of that program, we will discuss the herb Suma and the Asana, Bharad Vastasana, too. Um, we're back with Dr. Ann. Instant mission 10 minutes. 888-235-7374. Okay, well, now... I, I can't hear anything. Now, um... With it, it's going to make a difference, and I, and I think that really, really goes a long way to help people get into a good exercise. Uh, and um, so, I, I want to thank you for myself as well as my listeners. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I know people have told you that you sound very much like Obama. <laughs> Nobody uh, said that. No, no, it's funny. People have said that, and they've even, you know, said that I look a bit like the First Lady. I mean, I'm a little bit taller and a little older than the First Lady, but, you know, hey, it's all a compliment because she's really a, a gracious and, and gorgeous woman. Um, but, you know, I, I just, you know, think it's it's an incredible opportunity right now to have somebody of her stature make this her issue, you know, make the issue of getting the public back moving and getting, you know, kids um, into, you know, a healthier future is, is really just, just amazing, and I want to do the best I can for it. And, you know, that's partly why Instant Recess is coming out right now, because um, it gives me that platform to talk about the things that we can do, the simple solutions to getting everybody a little bit more activity in their day. And really, I mean, adults make the decisions for kids. So if we want kids to be more active, we've got to get all the population. We've got to get adults up and moving so they value it. And so they're good role models for their own children and the children that, you know, are in the schools, if they're school board members that they're making decisions about, or if they're city council members in their whole cities. Well, yes, it's it's critical that adults model all of this behavior because we know usually when you have uh, obese children, you have obese parents. I mean, you know, it, it goes without saying. But anyway, your cover, you have a great cover, very active and energized cover. What is going, where is this? Is this an actual place where you were doing something or um well, I'm, or was it? Yeah, no, this is, this, this is that's the that's the the uh, front patio area in the School of Public Health at UCLA, and we were actually doing an instant recess break. Um, so we do these breaks regularly in um, our uh, office uh, building of researchers and staff members and students in the Division of Cancer Prevention and Control. Um, and we're, you know, really working to get more of these breaks in various organizations around the city. We have a federal, uh, federal grant to do that um, from the National Institutes of Health, and we also have uh, a grant from the Centers for Disease Control to help 
reduce health disparities, you know, like the fact that, you know, people have more heart disease or, or diabetes if they're African-American or Latino. So we, we have, you know, that support to try to get strategies like instant recess out into the communities. Well, now, um, how do you? How does it work? Well, uh, what you, instead of tea time, it's recess time, and everybody just stops whatever they're doing and they do their workout. Or is it music playing, and everybody in the whole place goes to a certain location? How how does it work? Yeah, well, actually, here's and, and that's a really good question because it is about the implementation. How do we actually get it done? So if you're in a workspace and you have like a central congregating area or waiting room, like maybe a space between all the cubicles or whatever it is, it needs to be right there in the workspace so people don't have to go a long way to get to it and so that it's a reminder for people, you know, because it's always so easy to not do it. And what, we, we, what we're trying to do is make the active choice the path of least resistance. So, you know, it's like everybody else is doing it, all my coworkers are doing it, you know, if Sally Sue can do it, then I guess I can do it too. And actually, I kind of enjoy doing it because it's, it's fun and I'm dancing, you know, to music and, you know, I feel a lot better the rest of the day. I mean, it's better than a cup of coffee. <laughs> well, it sounds wonderful, and I—I I mean, I think I would thoroughly enjoy it. I'm—I'm I'm thinking about trying to get something like this started everywhere I have to go, all my meetings. But anyway, okay, let's get to to the book here. All right, uh, what inspired you to write Instant Recess? Well, I was inspired to write Instant Recess because. I wanted to get the dialogue going with the broader community. I mean, it's one thing for us to talk to each other as health professionals. I mean, you're a psychologist, so obviously you have a great understanding of all these things. But, you know, we need to be talking to everybody, not just the people involved in health, but we need to be talking to people that are involved in, you know, building our communities and, you know, politicians and, you know, people that are working in school administration and, you know, really across the board. I mean, physical activity is one of those fundamentals. It's just like eating. And the big difference is that with eating, you have hunger so that that drives you to, to remember to get some food every day, every, you know, multiple times a day. But you don't have that drive for physical activity, meaning that we have to build it back in. So I really wrote the book because I wanted to try to catalyze this movement that we need to create for physical activity, much like the movement to um, control tobacco, you know, so that we got so many people to quit smoking and quit using uh, smokeless tobacco. Well, now you also sort of put um, tobacco, yeah, smoking, drinking, uh, uh, and obesity, uh, physical inactivity in the same bucket. Um, and, I, you know, you want to explain why you feel that's uh, appropriate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, smoking um, is more damaging probably to a, a given person than than physical inactivity. But if you look across the population, because so many people are inactive, I mean, you know, you got 95% of the population that's not getting, not meeting the minimum recommendations, then that that's a huge burden of people that, um, are contributing to the heart disease and the stroke and all of that. Right now, smoking is down to, you know, 20, 25% of the population. So 
even though individual smokers are, 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 are being more damaged by that, it's not contributing as much to the whole population. So we need to, to catalyze a change like we did for tobacco control where we move the population from 95% getting, you know, suboptimal levels of activity to, you know, getting, getting you know, 80 or 90% moving at least a little bit every day. And I think if people get moving a little bit, it will lead to their getting moving more. And I also think if our organizations get more attuned to the idea that we shouldn't be sitting for long periods. We're actually hurting people's health by cooping them up for long periods of time in chairs, and we're being bad hosts. I mean, if you were inviting people over to your home, you know, you wouldn't sit them there for three or four hours and not offer them a drink of water. <laughs> no. You're but absolutely we do the equivalent right. of that for physical inactivity. We, we just coop them up. They just sit hours upon end, don't get any activity. They need that just as much as they need food and beverage refreshments. Well, now, okay, very good. I'm going to go ahead. I like to read what each chapter heading is to give people a good idea of what is covered in the text. Um, and so you have seven chapters. I call them chapters, but, I mean, it doesn't say chapter one, so forth. But the first one is the high price of a sedentary America and the challenge of getting society moving. Two, the benefits of widespread physical activity and the opportunities to move the needle. Three, the evolution of an idea. Four, marketing, the marketing, the social marketing of physical activity and fitness. Five, the case for the instant recess model. Six, instant recess. What's good for the waistline is good for the bottom line. Uh, Seven, a glimpse into the future, how the recess model sparked a physical activity movement. Now, um, the evolution of an idea, uh, let me see, time-wise, you want to sort of Touch, give us an idea of what the readers will um, be exposed to in these first three chapters with a special uh, explanation for the evolution of an idea because the, the title by itself doesn't really tell you what's going on. Okay. So the first two chapters, I think those chapters are kind of so, self-explanatory so in that I'm – um, the first two chapters are, in fact, about – um, what it's costing us as a society, both in terms of health and productivity, economics, global competitiveness, for being so inactive, and the possible benefits, if we can get the population moving, that we will experience. Um, chapter 3 is actually kind of a bridge chapter that talks about my own personal kind of story. I mean, I, I went to medical school and, and then worked as an ER doc and worked in foster care um, uh, uh, organizations with adolescents and all of that while I was also juggling a modeling career. So I was doing auditions and go-sees and really learning a lot about the, the commercial side of things and how we're basically on the health side, you know, handing people flyers with white paper and, you know, a lot of type. And on the, on the commercial side, they're encouraging the unhealthy behaviors with, you know, color and lights and bells and whistles and sex and, you know, all the things people want. So I think it really shaped my view of what needs to be done to kind of turn, turn the tide on this. And that's what Chapter 3 kind of talks about. 
Um, then in Chapter 4, I talk a little bit okay. about the history of how we promoted activity and get into how we, how we market it now and how we frame it. Okay, hold that thought. Folks, you're listening okay. to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. And we're going to be back with Dr. Tony Yancey, MD, author of Instant Recess, Building a Fit Nation 10 Minutes at a Time. AchieveRadio.com Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures. Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies for an initial consultation. Alternative Medicine Therapies offers a holistic approach to preventive care, unlike conventional medicine that tries to correct the illness that exists instead of preventing it altogether. Don't let anyone tell you that your situation is hopeless. Alternative Medicine Therapies like iridology, kinesiology, reflexology, energy medicine, which includes chi light therapy, acupressure, and psychological consultations has an amazing track record of positive results. Why suffer when Alternative Medicine Therapies with Parthenia Izzard is here to help? Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies today for an initial consultation and visit their website at www.amtherapies.com. Or call 610-658-0135. Alternative Medicine Therapies. Okay, you are listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. Uh, now, I want to remind you that if you're looking to purchase real estate in Pennsylvania, on the main line especially, or the general vicinity in Pennsylvania's Delaware or Montgomery counties, call 866-472-6094. That's 866-472-6094. I have a, uh, an exceptional broker uh, to refer you to. Simply call 866-472-6094 and mention code 5656. You will be contacted right away. Um, I... um well, I want to take a moment to give, uh, let you know, ask you to give you some contact information for our listeners, your web address, and all of that kind of. Hello. Hello. I hope you can. Yes. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Okay. Yes. I wanted you to give your contact information or some web address information, so that if people want to follow up and uh, you know find out about speaking engagements you might be doing, or purchase the book, or make contributions to the um, partnership for a healthier America, they'll know what to do. Okay. Sure. So um, the the best single resource is my website, which is www. T-O-N-I-Y-A-N-C-E-Y dot com. That's www.TonyT-O-N-I-Y-A-N-C-E-Y dot com. And there's a place right on the home page where you can click on the book and, you know, go to that page and uh, order directly from Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. Many Barnes & Noble stores actually carry the book. Um, and in terms of donating to the Partnership for a Healthier America, um, we don't necessarily have an indiv- a mechanism right now for individuals to donate, but um, you can go to the website um, uh, www.ahealthieramerica.org 
uh, .org, I believe. And on the website, uh, you'll get information about the partnership and how what we're really seeking are commitments of various sorts, including financial, um, generally from large organizations or, or collectives. But, you know, this is a, something that's evolving over time, and we just are in the process of hiring an executive director and, and really kind of getting off the ground. So, um, you know, people can stay tuned for ways to get involved. Okay, good. All right, now you you say here that science, like politics, is usually personal. That's interesting. Can you just sort of elucidate uh, that thought for me a little bit for our listeners, and then <laughs> I like sure. Yeah. Um. What I mean by that is there's kind of a myth that is put out there that science is somehow entirely objective. And and that's just not the case. I mean, science is based on who's asking the questions, what their cultural background and experiences and disciplinary background have been. You know, I mean, doctors Mm -hmm. sometimes ask different questions from psychologists who ask different questions from sociologists or urban planners. You know, so, I mean, there's there's really not that crystal clear objectivity. And it's not to say that we don't all strive to be objective and to really, you know, collect evidence and, you know, make really informed decisions based on the evidence and the data. But I I just think that we need to shatter this myth that, um, you know, everything that's written down is, is, is really, you know, set in stone and, and, and very much purist because it's not. I mean, there's context in absolutely everything, and I think that's a part of the problem with promoting physical activity up till now is that the people whose cultures have shaped how we do it um, are mostly affluent white men, and, you know, they're no longer in the majority, and, um, you know, the kind of solo jogging or competitive sports thing is obviously not working for most people. Ah, very good, very true. But it is nice, isn't it, to see the marathons when they have the different marathons and to see how many people come out for those things around the country. I, I, it just always inspires me, uh, you know, because we, we do forget there are some people who are trying, you know, trying to be involved, and they don't always do it to win, just to be in the group making that effort. Uh, I think that's inspiring. Yeah, I think I think all the walks are great. I mean, uh, unfortunately, with marathoning, you know, anything that causes your muscle to break down and, and can be, be shed in your urine is a little like you know getting a bit out there for me. But I mean, you know, there are all kinds of walkathons and you know walks for cancer and walks for this. And I mean, I just think anything that gets people together to move is a wonderful thing. Yes, I'm sorry. My marathon wasn't the best example, but I think you, I think you know what, I, what, what, what where my heart was there. Um, yes, I do. Um, okay, the case for the instant recess model. Uh, why don't you give some suggestions? First, some things that moms and dads can do at home with the family that can start their children, you know, getting moving in that that, that 10 to 15 minute kind of recess mode. Okay. Well, um, one great thing that they could do is get a dog, you know, adopt Ah. a dog from a rescue shelter because there have been some recent studies to show that dogs are better 
um, prompts to make people go out and walk than mm. other human beings. You know, they're more reliable. You know, so I think, you know, getting a dog, getting kids, you know, involved in being outdoors because animals, you know, they're going to drag you outdoors. They're not for sitting in front of a TV. You know, I think that's, that's a great thing. I think the, the, the games, you know, like the Wii and the, um, the new, you know, connectivity thing with the Xbox and all that, there are a lot of games that you can do inside and, you know, um, I mean, I live in L.A., but I know you're in Philly, and the weather may not be so conducive a lot of the year. So, you know, you want to be able to do something that you can do year-round. That's another alternative. Um, another another possibility is for families. You know, there are sometimes facilities that have family memberships like the Y, some of the health clubs. You know, getting a family membership and doing that together, you know, working out as a family is important. And then, you know, the biggest thing I would still say, going back to the whole instant recess thing, is um, getting um, the whole family thinking about their whole day. You know, where are you getting activity during the day? You know, can you lead an exercise break? Let's say that you're, you know, you're going to go to work, you know, is there that opportunity at work? Can you go to your wellness coordinator or your boss or supervisor and show them the facts about how brief bouts of activity will make your whole workplace more productive and, and you know, improve morale? Um, take it to your, your, say, gospel choir rehearsal. You know, the, the teens and the, the adults are all going to that. Well, in the middle of that, you can have a gospel aerobics break. Um, but, you know, basically getting out of the mindset that it's about changing into some sweats and going to the gym and working out hard and getting back into a mode of we've got to get this activity spread throughout the day because if you're working out for an hour and you're sitting the entire rest of the day, you're not healthy either. You're absolutely right. And unfortunately, I'm toward the end of the program, and I need to ask you for some quick words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners. Okay, well, the, the words of wisdom are get your organization moving, and that will probably do more for you individually than just my trying to motivate you to get moving. So look at your sorority, your fraternity, your church, your workplace, your children's school, and look at what are the ways that we can get more activity, walking meetings, brief activity breaks when we're gathered together or at a certain time of day, in the classroom, at the beginning of the day, transitioning kids from one activity like lunch back to sitting down. There are so many opportunities for us when we're all gathered together to be active, not to mention the sports stadiums where we've been getting, you know, the baseball fans and the basketball fans moving during the pregame and halftime shows. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Listeners, buy the book, Instant Recess, Building a Fit Nation, 10 Minutes at a Time, by Dr. Tony Yancey, MD. Thank you so much. You have a good evening. Well, thank you. You too, and thank you for having me. No, okay. Bye-bye. Okay, folks, it's time for our herb of the day. Uh, tonight's herb is Suma. Uh, this is according to Balk and Balk. The parts used medicinally are the bark, berries, leaves, and roots. Uh, phytochemicals include beta-cestosterol, uh, saponin, 
Sigmasterol, nutrients include iron, magnesium, zinc, vitamins A, B1, B2, B5, E, and K. According to Balkenbach, fights inflammation, boosts the immune system, and combats anemia, fatigue, and stress. Uh, good for AIDS, arthritis, uh, cancer, liver disease, menopausal symptoms, high blood pressure, Epstein-Barr virus, and weakened immune system. It's also known as Brazilian Jensen. Okay, well, you'll have to do our asana next week. Uh, you've been listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izzard at Achieve Radio on the Internet. Uh, my guest, December 7, 2010, will be David Fetter, author of The Skinny Carbs Diet. And at the end of that program, we'll discuss the herb tea tree and the asana pasasana. Uh, you can go to my website and listen to the program live on your computer, iPod, or cell phone every Tuesday at 7 p.m. December 14, 2010 will be Monique Chapman's visit with Monique's Moments, and she'll share her intuition about the world and caller issues. Uh, also, you, uh, if you want to send me an email, send it to consult at amtherapies.com. Wellness, wholeness, and wisdom. Be well. AchieveRadio.com Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures. Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies for an initial consultation. Alternative Medicine Therapies offers a holistic approach to preventive care, unlike conventional medicine that tries to correct the illness that exists instead of preventing it altogether. Don't let anyone tell you that your situation is hopeless. Alternative Medicine Therapies like iridology, kinesiology, reflexology, energy medicine, which includes chi light therapy, acupressure, and psychological consultations has an amazing track record of positive results. Why suffer when Alternative Medicine Therapies with Parthenia Izzard is here to help? Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies today for an initial consultation and visit their website at www.amtherapies.com. Or call 610-658-0135. Alternative Medicine Therapies. Our day starts very early. We never know exactly when we'll have a full house, so we have to be ready at all hours. We have regularly scheduled deployments that come through, but things rarely run on schedule. So we have a lot of surprises. We have birthdays. We have family reunions. We even had a wedding here once. But whatever they need, we'll do our very best to see they get it. If they need travel arrangements or use of a computer, if they need to change diapers or dry someone's tears, we can help. It's the very least we can do, considering what they do for us. If you want to make a difference in the life of someone serving our country, if you really want to make a difference, the USO is how it's done. Help us help them. The USO depends on the generosity of the American people, people just like you. To find out how you can help, visit us at USO.org. The USO, until everyone comes home. 